I thought I was thinking, I think some of those are repeats now. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Um, The Arkansas one was meant to be the last one because even though they won, that was technically the last game they played. So true, right? True. And I did decide, Amy, to spare all the Iowa and Iowa State fans. Men's basketball, we should say. Go women, Hawkeyes, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we love a good underdog story, right? I mean, that's kind of, that's what's made this tournament so amazing. There's not a single number one team left and that's great. Everybody loves it, right? Well, except if it busted your bracket, which we should probably talk about. Um, We did do a bracket here at the church. Um, Do you know who won? Probably you. (laughs) You won. I did. This is like, you rigged. It's rigged. Was not rigged. It was only decided last night. Okay. Luke and I were the final two. But we said that when it came to staff, well, I came in first. Luke, our youth guy over there, came in, and drummer came in second. Liz came in third. So the non-staff person that actually came first was Brian Klett. Congratulations, Brian. Good work, Brian. Good work. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, but we love a good underdog yes, story to ce- yes. to celebrate those. Who aren't expected to succeed. That's right? why I love March Madness because anything's possible. Anything is possible. <laughs> and then, and then I wait for the night when it's the final. They like cut the net down and they play one shining moment. It's really not a great oh, song. It's so good. No, I was listening to it this oh, week. And I went. One shining they should really moment. update that. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> Now you're probably cry. You're probably sitting out there going, why are we talking so much basketball and this? Well, because it is Palm Sunday. And really <laughs> what we yeah, exactly. You're going, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly why, because it just makes sense. But really, that's what we see on Palm Sunday. You know, Jesus was kind of this outsider guy, and he's doing these things, and he really is kind of the underdog up until this moment. But then something happens on Palm Sunday that really begins to change the crowd. It changes him. There's a lot of things going on. And why don't we just jump in? Let me read it for us. And let's read the passage. This is from Matthew chapter 21. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples uh, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed. They uh, brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Beautiful picture, right? It's, a, it's an incredible thing. So you guys know I had the opportunity to go to Israel last year, uh, last fall. And so now anytime I read things like this, I, I stop and I go, hmm, was I there? Did I, did I see this? And I did. I did. And so this is a picture t- that I took when I was standing on the top of the Mount of Olives. And so that's kind of what you see. You're on top of the mount, and then there's the valley, and then you go up 
to Jerusalem, and you can see the Dome of the Rock, which is where the temple would have been during the days of Jesus. And you see that little red arrow. That is pointing to what the gate is called. It's called the Golden Gate. It's a gate on the eastern side of the city. And there it is kind of zoomed in. And that would have been the gate that Jesus would have walked or taken the donkey through to the shouts of the people. And what's interesting is that if you look at it there, you might be able to tell that it is sealed up. You can't walk through that gate anymore. And what's also interesting is it's kind of difficult to see in this picture, but right in front of that gate, all those white things, those are tombs. They have built a cemetery there in front of the gate, and it's kind of interesting. So the gate has been sealed since the Middle Ages, and it suggested that uh, Solomon, Suleiman, the Magnificent, sealed off the gate to prevent a false messiah coming through that entrance because prophetically people believe that when the messiah comes, that's the gate he's going to be going through. And so the Ottomans... Also, they built the cemetery in front of the gate to prevent that from happening. Because in Jewish culture, to touch a dead body is to make you unclean. And they thought, oh, well, we have just, if we scatter the entrance with dead bodies, surely a good Jewish Messiah will not come through. And that'll prevent him from coming mm. through. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. The things that we've done. So, <laughs> yeah. And a picture of what's to come. Yeah, Death. absolutely. Death. And resurrection. Yeah. And so when Jesus, did you guys pick up all the things that were happening in that passage? Like when Jesus comes in, there's a lot of stuff going on, Yeah, you know, and like, so, but, but it's, it's a king entering the city and me, maybe we miss that symbolism because we don't do Kings here in America, but you know, what's happening is for these people is unmistakable. They really do see Jesus as the, 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 not necessarily the Messiah, but the rescuer, the salvation at this point. They, they, they were welcoming a king. In fact, it says that they were, you know, stirred up. There was a lot of things going on. What did it say? It said uh, uh, the city was in an uproar. And in fact, if you look at that, the, the, the way you could define that is wild with excitement. <laughs> wild with excitement. <laughs> and even this idea of groupthink, you know, it's easy to get a crowd stirred up, right? to get a crowd to kind oh, of yeah. go along with. I would have what? been in the mix being like, yeah, what? what? You've been taking what? off your coat awesome. and waving some branches yes, and all kinds yes. of stuff. But it is interesting because they call him son of David. They so do they, call him son of David. Which is Jesus' language. Yes. I mean, so they would have, some of them yeah. understood Absolutely. what was going on. And you, I love the the imagery of like even laying their coats down, it's like makes me think of like a red carpet, you know, it's yeah, like absolutely. royalty is coming through and and the the branches even representing this kind of like parade yeah, of royalty. Of royalty. Yeah. In yeah. fact, as I was researching this week, two hundred years prior to this, uh, Judas Maccabeus, so it's kind of the inner the period between the old and new testaments, is when kind of Israel rose up and Judas Maccabeus was one that led the revolt against uh, their oppressors and they did win for a season. And after conquering the pagan armies who had been oppressing Israel, he arrived in Jerusalem and he was welcomed by the crowd waving palm branches. I mean, so historically, this is something that they do for their kings. This is something they do for their leaders. And this is something they do for their conquering heroes. Mm. I mean, there's something very significant But their there. kings were not riding in. Yes, not on donkeys. On a donkey. <laughs> there's a little a bit there. A borrowed donkey. He's, yes. You know, he's Doesn't like, go, go borrow own. this donkey yeah, from... Yeah. 
Yeah, and even as they said, they were shouting, blessed is he who comes mm. in the name of the Lord, mm. you know? It's like if, if I send somebody to you and they say, I'm coming in the name of Brent, you know that's my representative, you know? Mm. And they, you know mm. that they're coming with my intents and purposes mm. behind it. So even there, yeah. the whole scene is just this incredible prophecy-fulfilling messianic king thing taking place. You know, mm-hmm. you, may be, you may try to minimize that, but, mm-hmm. you, but you really can't because this is, this is where they're at in that moment. Our Messiah is here. Mm-hmm. The one who, in fact, even we're going to talk a little bit later about this, the words that they say, Hosanna, mm-hmm. which means save us. Mm-hmm. That was what they were crying, save us. Mm-hmm. And so, but mm-hmm. I think the problem was, mm-hmm. and you and I talked this week, is that um, they didn't really get it. They really mm-hmm. misunderstood what was going on. And to be fair, um, in one of, I can't remember if we read it here, but uh, in one of the Gospels, this story is in all four Gospels. One representation says, even the disciples did not understand what was going on mm-hmm. until after the resurrection. So mm-hmm. it's, it would be very easy for anybody to get kind of caught up mm-hmm. in this. But there's a lot of symbolism there, a lot of prophecy taking place. Yeah, and what they would have understood on some level, like there must have been some familiarity because of the prophecy um, from Zechariah 9, yeah. 9 through 10, that said, Rejoice greatly, daughter, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, mm. righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I'll take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace mm. to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea. And so you can, I mean, I'm like, okay, I can understand why they're like, oh, it's a, there's a, you know, this, there's a prophecy about this. We're we're waiting for this Messiah, our Savior. But they missed it. But they still didn't understand. They still missed it because even in that Zechariah passage there, it talks about, see, your king comes righteous and victorious, lowly. Well, there's a, there's a picture right there that we don't get because a conquering king would have come into the city on a war horse. He would have come in and just with the sword in hand. Mm-hmm. But a king that was coming to a and city. Chariots, and, yes, and, and, chari- like and he talked about chariots all here. Yes. The, you know, pomp yeah, and war horses, the battle bow, you know. Yeah. But, then there, but then we see Jesus on the donkey. Mm-hmm. And so what that tells us is that he was, he was coming in peace. Mm-hmm. But really, they missed that. Mm-hmm. They didn't even catch that, did they? Yeah, <laughs> they no. Just, it, and I don't know if I would have. I'm yeah. like, you know, there's, a, there's all this kind of imagery that makes you, and prophecy that makes you realize, okay, this is, this is kind of king, kingly uh, behavior, but it's very different than any other king um, that you see here. And yeah, so I'm absolutely. sure they were confused. Yeah. Um, well, and I think it's, the, it's human nature, and we've talked about this, is that it's human nature for us to always want to see in somebody what we want to see as mm-hmm. opposed to maybe what they actually are. I mean, that was, mm-hmm. that was the purpose behind the post we did this week as a church, which said, will the real Jesus please stand up? Because we know that Jesus flags and banners and Jesus fish on cars and all these things <laughs> get promoted everywhere. But they, and often, if you look at it, they're in very opposite positions. I mean, mm-hmm. in the Christian world, you have... This, this side of Christian nationalism taking place. And then you have the other side that is just complete pacifism. And both of them are proclaiming Jesus. And it's kind of like this idea of, okay, will the real Jesus yeah, please stand Jesus? up? And I think it's a real challenge for us to take that step back and say, 
what am I looking, how am I looking at Jesus? We talk about this a lot. What lenses do we have? What presuppositions do we have? What biases are we taking into our understanding of who Jesus is? And I think that's exactly what we see taking place here. I mean, put yourselves in these people's position for just a moment. They've been under Roman occupation. I mean, none of us in this room, I don't think. Well, not, that's not true. We do have some people not from the U.S. There are some people from, in fact, Ms. DeWin shared with us several weeks ago about having to flee her country because of civil war. But I mean, imagine being, if America was invaded and we had a ruling oppressive government over us. You know, I mean, I think we could even look at our friends from India mm-hmm. and talk about mm-hmm. colonialism and what yep. the, the British Empire did there. I mean, th- that's not a warm fuzzy. Mm-hmm. That's not something. Yeah, thank you for coming and conquering mm-hmm. us. We are so great. That, no, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. You know, and so when you're in that position, when you feel beat down, when you feel abused, when you feel like all I want is to be free, I understand how mm-hmm. they got to this place. Yeah. Free us, save us. Yes. And, and that's still today. It feels like that's how we understand power or authority is, is through domination Mm -hmm. is through force and who's bigger, who's more powerful, who has more, you know, more resources. Like who's got the bigger army. It's not that different. No. And and what Jesus does is he sets up a bunch of contrasts for us for us to see and look at and go, okay, how is this going forth? And you and I, this week, we're talking about how, you know, even in the beginning of Jesus's ministry, if you look at all the stories, he'd heal somebody and say, now don't go tell anybody. It's just just between us, keep it secret. Well, there's obviously a huge contrast here taking place as he comes in on the donkey with a crowd of excitement. Something is taking place. He's making a decided turn in his ministry to say, okay, this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And then the, even the contrast in this story, like when you, even as we were reading this story this week, it's just like, Oh, I want to like shout Hosanna. And (laughs) a lot of times like growing up in church, you know, we would have our wave, our palm branches and Palm Sunday is like, our Jesus is here. Our King is here. Save us. And there's all this celebration and all this delight. And then suddenly things change and you see the contrast shift from like these people who are saying, save us like King, you know, King Jesus who are now saying crucify him. Not much longer. And then the image from a King in this moment to a criminal in the next, I mean, he's moving, he's shifting from here to there. And then from this idea of we want you to conquer and Jesus mm-hmm. is saying, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Conquering comes through surrender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then even the greatest contrast we see, knowing that what we'll see Friday in Good Friday yeah. is that true life for us and for Jesus only came through death. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the most challenging mm-hmm. for us to, mm-hmm. to say, to mm-hmm. see, because we don't think life happens that way. We think life is something we have to grab and take and mm-hmm. own and Jesus clearly, repeatedly mm-hmm. reminds us, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. It's when you take up your cross, mm-hmm. when you die to yourself and follow me, mm-hmm. that is where true life is found. Mm-hmm. And that's not a popular message. No, no. <laughs> I was just this weekend with a whole bunch of students from all over Iowa, college students, who are most of them following Jesus, some of them just curious, interested in Jesus and wanting to follow him and 
We were going all through the city and serving and talking about um, God's heart for people on the margins and how he invites us, not always as the American dream, you know, up and to the right, but Mm -hmm. down and in, the way Jesus does things. And I mean, you could see them wrestling. And me too, I kept telling them, I'm like, oh, I I have wrestled constantly with this, like, I'm like, I love the underdog story, but I do not want to be the underdog, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, I love that idea of the humility and the, the king who is all about serving and the suffering savior. I love him because I, I relate, I resonate, but really I'm like, but I actually, what I want is, I'm like, I want to be in control. I want, you know? Um, and, and so you feel that, I mean, that yeah. wrestling even today and I've been witnessing that like that's a heart what Jesus invites us to like the kind of kingship that he has in his kingdom is just unbelievable I mean so different than what we're familiar with and I wonder if we truly trust that yeah because I feel as you were talking I was just thinking but so many of us get caught in the Palm Sunday Jesus Mm. and we never make it to Good Friday Jesus because that's all we want. Mm. We want the conqueror, even for us, Mm -hmm. you know, we want the conqueror, we want Mm -hmm. to be in power, we want control, we, yes, let's do it our way, and yet Jesus continues to constantly push back against that. I mean, nothing in Jesus says, this is the way I, I came to do it. It has always been about laying down your life, even as I was thinking about this, as I, you watch the apostles, and you, you read through Acts and you hear the stories of what happened to the, the 12 apostles through the first century. And, you know, none of them rose up, raised up an army. None of them went out and bought swords and said, we're going we're gonna to take this city for Jesus. All of them died as martyrs. Yeah. All, all yeah. of them died laying down their lives for the cause of Jesus. And for us, I think we just kind of go, yeah, we don't want that loser. <laughs> you know, I, it's like you said, we want to be on the side of the winner. And even though Jesus is the winner, yeah. let's make sure we know that Jesus is the yeah. winner. Yeah. It's winning in a different way. Yeah. And we, we don't get that. Yeah. And I do think I had, to, you know, you reminded me of that this week, even, you know, I'm like, so focused on like, oh, Jesus is humble king. And then you have the victor over here. And he's like, actually, Jesus is the victor. But his victory comes through different means. Yeah. And we do the same for us as followers of Jesus that we get to live full, abundant life and victorious life yeah. through dying, through suffering, through yeah. struggling. Um, we, this weekend with students, I, we studied the passage of the Good Samaritan and you know, the religious leader saying, what, what must I do to get life, to have mm. eternal life? And that whole passage at the beginning and at the end, it's like, give, like spend yourself, like, get great cost, take care of others and um, love your neighbor, love God to, you know, where it costs you and then you will live. Like, and I was saying, do you believe that? Do I believe that? That, <laughs> that life actually comes from right. this kind of yeah. kingship and kingdom. Yeah, and it, and it takes us back to what the crowd shouted when they're yeah. saying Hosanna. Yeah. Because I look today and when you're in when you're in a place, and, and I know sometimes it may come across that we're critical of our nation, our country, and we're not, our culture, we're not. Uh, everything has points of criticism, but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. But I think one of the challenges of living in a place that is so prosperous, in a place that has very few needs, 
in a place that is a place of power and control globally, I don't know that we easily look and say, Hosanna, save us, because I'm not sure that we really think we need to be saved hmm. from anything. Hmm. Amen. We yeah. see ourselves as the Savior. Hmm. We've kind of placed ourselves yeah. in the role of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I wrote down in my notes here, I said, I, so to me, the question is, if we had to think about it, what do we need to be saved from or for? Mm-hmm. And I realize that's bad grammar. Mm-hmm. From what or from, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I realize that, but what? it's just easier this way. <laughs> yes. What do we need to be saved from or for? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a challenging question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If you had to think, think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. How would you answer that question? Mm-hmm. What do we need to be saved from or for? Mm-hmm. What'd you say? Myself. What else? Fear. Fear. Fear's a good one too. Because even as you, I wasn't thinking fear, but as, even as you said that, it's, it's fear that if I follow the way of Jesus, is it real? Is it really going to be the thing that gives me life? Because I can see life over here and it looks good and it's, it's tangible and I can see others experiencing that good life. But what if I truly followed Jesus and it's not what I think it's going to be? Man, you're right. I mean, it could be fear. It could be fear of the crowd and what will people say if I live differently? You know, that kind of thing. What else? Apathy. Apathy. Yeah. 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 I don't care about that answer. <laughs> Just kidding. Or greed. Catch that. Greed. I don't, I mean, I don't think of myself as greedy, but even again, just in reflecting some this weekend and thinking through like folks in our city and our, my own situation, I'm like, oh, I have like, I really, I'm like, I want Jesus and I want all these mm. other things too. I want, yeah. you know, I want comfort. Yeah. And Jesus, I think no matter how we answer that question, Jesus challenges every one of those answers. He really does. He pushes back, you know, because I think we have to get to the place where we're the ones kind of crying, Hosanna. Mm. We need to realize where we are. We need to realize our own need for salvation, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think if we just sit there and mull that over for a moment, we would hopefully get to that place where we go, yes. I am someone in need. I am someone that I can't save myself. <laughs> you know, like you said, it, I'm in a position where I need to be singing Hosanna. Hosanna, save me a place. And I, one of the commentaries I read talked about how even as they say that, that's kind of a desperation, a, a cry of desperation. It's like, save us now. You know, and if you've been under Roman oppression for decades and you, you know, you want anything other than this, I mean, it's, you know, we get that way. And I think for us, we get that way sometimes when life throws us a curveball and we're trying to figure it, we can, we can move towards Jesus and then be like, oh, save me now. But I think living in that posture of Hosanna is really, mm-hmm. really challenging, mm-hmm. at least for me. Let me speak for myself. Yeah, <laughs> it's very for challenging yeah, for no. me. <laughs> I, I will say in reading this passage this week and just mulling this story over and over, like Jesus coming in as this on the, on the donkey and just this humble king. I know that we often say, uh, or Christians often say, you know, Jesus isn't political, but there's something really political about the move he makes here. He's like, 
I am, I am setting up a kingdom that is different than the current political system. You know, like he didn't I, stop them. Yeah. He, he didn't, we don't see it recorded anywhere where he said, put those branches down. No, 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 yeah. no. I mean, he's the one that said, go get me a donkey. Yeah. He's making a decided effort here to say, yeah. I am challenging power, yes. religious power, political power, yeah. all power. I'm stepping <laughs> yeah. into that. I mean, he's making a, <laughs> a, a statement that is, it feels like there's been so much that he's done so far as he's establishing his kingdom on earth of like healing individuals and caring for the sick and teaching about what the kingdom is like. And now I feel like he's like, he's like looking at the structures and the systems of power and he's like, and I'm going to change that too. You know, yeah. the, the kingdom of God is being established and it's going to come not through oppression, not through power and domination and triumphalism. It's going to come, my kingdom will come through humility and servanthood and sacrifice yeah. and healing the sick and embracing those who've been outcast by society and feeding the hungry. And, you know, and the gospel that I'm preaching is about the kingdom of God, which is all those things and all the things we're going to talk about in weeks to come. Yeah, absolutely. And What's interesting is if, I don't remember which gospel it's in, but one of them says that after this is when Jesus went to the temple yeah, yeah. and he starts t kicking turning over, out. yeah, kicking people out, turning Turn tables, tables over and things like that. So he's, he's in a mode right now of saying, this is about to come to an end. Yeah. You're about to see what I really came to do. Mm. Uh, you know, and really what it highlights for us is Jesus did not see kingship as we see kingship. Yeah. You know, um, and why? I, I think it's because how we would defeat or how he would defeat sin and death didn't require an army. It didn't require a battle. It didn't require conquest. Mm -hmm. Jesus knew that in order to defeat sin and death and to reconcile us back to himself, it was going to require humility and compassion and love. And I think that's the challenge for us as Jesus followers today is what mindset do we think is required for King Jesus today? Is it the Palm Sunday turning over tables or is it the humility, the compassion and the love? I think that's a real challenge for us today. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, the donkey, I, I wrote this down. I said the donkey riding king was about to establish his kingdom through humility, servanthood, sacrifice, healing the sick, embracing those outcast by society, feeding the hungry and preaching a gospel of shalom or peace. And that is what eventually gets him killed. Yes. Which is the shocking part. It's like this humble. I mean, that just tells you how what a contrast it was from the the society as yeah. is and and yeah. what a threat like isn't that interesting that this donkey riding humble king yeah. who's like people are just laying down their coats for him like what a threat that was um and suddenly all these people who were like save us save us are now like crucify him crucify <laughs> yeah, him exactly exactly in fact we're going to talk in the coming weeks next week we're starting a new series called heaven on earth and we're going to talk about what does it mean to live in the kingdom? What does that look like? How does that kingdom establish itself here and now? Mm. And uh, I think, yeah, what does conquering in the kingdom look like mm. today? That's what we're going to figure out mm. together and look at. And, you know, one thing I love about this passage is that in the story, uh, as Jesus is riding in, the crowd kind of asks the question. They say, who is this? Who is this? You know, and I think that's such a, a telling question. Who is this? Because we all have ideas about who Jesus is and who he's telling us and showing us that who he, who he really is. And Jesus is showing us that, yes, he is a king. 
He is a savior, but he's also modeling for his people a path that we're to take to follow him, as we've said, mm-hmm. to take up a cross and follow him. Mm-hmm. And it begins with surrendering to King Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And this is, as we follow Jesus, I'm like, I was thinking back even through Jesus' life. It, this is not the first time that he's done something that feels very yeah. kind of subversive or, you know, in opposition to, to um, structures and systems. And where he's revealed that his kingdom is about humility. I'm like, even him coming to earth as a baby. Yeah. We talked about that at Christmas. Yeah. You know, he, he came in this humble form. Um, and then I think about when he did start ministry. Um, you know, he, what, how does he begin his ministry? Not with this big, you know, celebration or like coronation of like, here's the new king as he's establishing his kingdom. But it was, he got baptized. He didn't even need to, but he got baptized in the Jordan River in the yeah. dirtiest you know, river and um, the act of humility that was, and you see this over and over in him and it continues on. Yeah, absolutely. And really what we get through at Palm Sunday is we see what looks like a coronation is really about a cross. Yeah. That's where it's leading. And we, so we come face to face with maybe our own mismatched expectations, you know, Mm -hmm. of who Jesus is, like you were Mm -hmm. saying, even at birth and even in his Mm -hmm. death. Mm -hmm. And if we're not careful, it can leave us disappointed. I mean, if we're honest, there are moments we're probably disappointed with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do yeah. things, say things, react the way we would. Yeah, and fix that's it. The, yeah. Fix it. And it's the same as the crowd. Yeah, exactly. But uh, N.T. Wright, one of my favorite theologians today, he, he said this. He said, they wanted a Messiah, but this one was going to be enthroned on a pagan cross. They wanted to be rescued from evil and oppression. But Jesus was going to rescue them from evil in its full depths, Mm. not just the surface evil of Roman occupation and the exploitation by the rich. Precisely because Jesus says yes to their desires at the deepest level, he will have to say no or wait to their desires, to the desires they are conscious of and the desires they express. Mm. That's beautiful right there. Mm -hmm. So as we think about Palm Sunday, what we see is really the ultimate beauty, beauty from ashes story. You know, although today it's beauty from, you know, this is the beauty part. It's mm-hmm. about to break, take us to a place of more ashes, mm-hmm. but then the ultimate beauty in the resurrection mm-hmm. that we'll celebrate mm-hmm. next Sunday. As we just wrap up here, I mean, my thoughts, Amy, I, I don't know about you, but I, I really, the word Hosanna really is so significant in this passage. And for me, it just kind of makes me want to just challenge all of us. Have we become so self-sufficient in how we live in our faith that we really don't have a need for crying Hosanna? Hmm. Or do we need to pause for a moment and just look and go, no, Hmm. there are places in my life where I need that Hmm. salvation. I need to cry out to God and say, Hmm. save me, save us. Hmm. And so I just challenge you this morning to look at that Hmm. and see maybe in your life where we need to be crying Hosanna. Hmm. Can we pray?